Hi, Sunshine. I'm Natasha, your host for the Shine Online podcast and the founder of Soul Studio. In this conversational podcast, I interview the brightest entrepreneurs I know with the goal of empowering you to do business in a way that feels real to you. These conversations will bring you no-fluff advice, honest discussions, and actionable strategies to help you shine online. There are so many bright brands in the online world, but there's always room for one more. Let's shine together. Hello and welcome back to the show. Before I dive into today's episode, I wanted to give a quick little disclaimer that there was a few audio issues in this recording, but this interview with Annie was too good not to share. So many gems. Her story truly even inspired me, and I cannot wait for you to get to know her and really get schooled on branding. So let's dive right into the episode. I'm so excited because today I have with me Annie. She is one of the founders of Aaliyah and Fig, and I'm excited to hear about your story today. So thank you so much for joining me. Thanks so much for having me, uh, Natasha. It's such a pleasure to be here. So let's take us from the beginning. Like I know you started in your corporate career, but even before that, you know, what did you want to do when you were older and kind of how did that evolve into what you were doing in your corporate career and now what you're doing now in your business? Yes, of course. Um, So to give a little context, um, I am actually Taiwanese. Both me and Terry were sisters Um, and Terry is the co-founder of Olin Fig as well. So we grew up in Taiwan until 11, and then we both came here in the States when we were 11. So I came here first, and then she came a little later. And um, our parents were both uh, back in Taiwan. But, you know, growing up, we put the burden and the expectation of constantly thinking about, you know, our parents sent us here, we got to make them proud. Although, you know, our parents never had any of those talks with us. It's just something Mm. that I think we both carry. And so growing up in the States, English being our second language and trying to fit in a different culture completely, um, and then going to college and grad school after, I think looking back, most of my decisions were driven by my way of defining success, right? I never mm-hmm. had that talk and never gave myself the time to think about what success really meant to me. Instead, I just take on the majority of what the society think what success meant, which is the typical, you know, um, you climb the corporate ladder. And I thought that was what I wanted. So growing up, I always imagined myself being in a corporate environment. I would be in my suit, in my heels, you know, going about my days, going to my meetings and in my totes, you know, and commuting (laughs) every day. And to kind of also give another detail is that in college, I also chose my major as engineering and then business in grad school because of the same reason. So that's not really a great reason, to be honest, right? right? And I actually picked those majors without thinking about what I want, what I like. You know, I was just good at math and science, and I just went for it. And I also, for a long time, suppressed what I really love, which is the creative world. I never allow myself to explore that world. So after school, I came to Silicon Valley, and I started off joining a tech startup and just went from there. And um, I started delving into business and strategy and I was on that track. And because 
of the environment I was in, I was lucky enough to get to a leadership position in a very short period of time. But I think at the same time, you know, as I go in and out from nine to five, and the nine to five just became longer and longer, right? right? And I was one of those people who are type A and change my phone all the time. And I'm sure, you know, you see this sometimes here and there, Natasha, when you're um, out and about, you know, you see those people, and I'm definitely one of them, that, you know, whenever the phone rang or when the, whenever the phone um, lights up, you automatically respond to that phone. You just right. feel like you have to open that email. You have to respond. And I was just chained to my phone 24-7. And yes, I was burned out without realizing that I was burned out. I was saying no to a lot of social events that I think really was meaningful to me, to be honest. Mm. And it got to a point when my boyfriend then, now husband, um, we decided that, okay, we both need a trip. We need a vacation. So we booked a trip to, to spend some quality time together and also take our mind off work, right? And so I planned everything. We were going to Europe. And I also planned that night. Um, as soon as we land, I wanted to go to this restaurant um, where apparently it's like up and coming and it's intimate. It, w- it just seemed like the, a great start of the trip. So I was really looking forward to it. And, you know, we got on the plane. And as soon as I landed and I turned on my phone and there were just so many messages and emails coming in, so many voicemails. And that was supposedly my vacation that I haven't taken for a long, long time. And apparently something uh, high priority and high emergency happened at work. And because I was already managing a team, I was actually responsible for that, for reporting to my CEO directly. And so I also got a call, a voicemail from my CEO. So as soon as I land and I learned that, of course, I call back. And for the whole time, I just stay on the phone for the next several hours. We check into the hotel. We get to the restaurant. We even finished the meal while I was still on the call. And I just kept apologizing. You know, I wasn't there. And... As soon as I hung up the phone, that we were already outside the restaurant. And I still remember like it was yesterday that my boyfriend told me that, you know, the next time if you if we have to work, maybe it's better if we just do takeout at the hotel. That would be great too, you know, instead of going through all this and like not feeling like I was actually there, which I was fully aware of and I felt really guilty about. And so I think at that moment, that was when I realized that I was missing all the meaningful moments in life, even the ones I actually mindfully planned for, right? Including that trip. Mm -hmm. So as soon as I got back, I quit. I knew that I wanted something different in life and this just wasn't it. I didn't want to just make a living. I wanted to make a life. So Mm -hmm. that was kind of that turning point when I left uh, my corporate job and started thinking about, okay, what are all these possibilities in life for me? (laughs) Wow, that is such an amazing story. And I feel like a lot of people that are listening can probably relate to some sense where something just clicked, you know, there was something that was in the back of your head, or maybe, you know, you don't even notice that you're burnout or don't even notice that you're not fulfilled or that you're ignoring the parts of life that we're meant to enjoy. But you made that decision right when you came back. Did you even think about entrepreneurship? Was that even like in your brain? Like, had you and your sister even had those conversations yet? <laughs> no, not at all. And yeah, so I know that was a bold move, but I just knew that because this is a job that literally chained me to my phone 24-7. So unless yes. if I intentionally make time for myself, I wouldn't have time to explore um, right. because it's just one of those taxing jobs. And 
given my personality, I just know that I couldn't really separate work and life at the time. So um, unless if I actually intentionally make time and really make time to think about what I want in life, I just wouldn't be able to do that and also try to figure out my next step at the same time, which I know is not for everyone. But right. that was kind of um, the decision I had to make. And so, yeah, after that, I really gave myself a year to just fully explore everything that I can reach that's creative, everything that I wanted to do and I didn't do. And it goes from all the way from, um, so I always had a thing for fashion, even when I was in school. So I always try to do my fashion blog on the side and trying to figure if that's the market I want to go into. Mm -hmm. And I think that year also gave me the chance to realize that I don't think that industry is for me, even though I like the fun of fashion, but you know, every industry is different. So I also eliminated that option for myself. So after that, I also try to do even floral arrangement, even calligraphy, literally anything wow. you think of, um, painting. Um, and I think what I landed then was more about experience design. So obviously that includes things like events, right? Mm -hmm. All the way to visual. So those things really drawn to me especially the visual aspects and the immersive aspect of an experience. So I started off doing more events and then visual branding. And then we started working with a lot of creative businesses, thinking that I was going to put strategy behind me, to be honest. But there was this one day um, where I still remember it was our last event. So Terry was here with me. So usually she's actually based in Asia where we serve two audience, um, you know, both the Eastern and Western side of the world. But that time, that last event, she was actually here with me in the States. And it's, you know, our, our usual work day where um, we plan a, an event, everything went well, aesthetic or logistic workflow, everything went well. But by the end of it, um, usually when we get back, it's already, um, that day was already past midnight. So we were both so exhausted. And I still remember both of us just collapsing into my sofa and just tried to really take in the time and the space and the air to like take a breather. And then all of a sudden I turned to her and I asked, you know, do you still feel that rewarding feeling and the joy that we used to have when we had our first event? She turned to me, she said, you know, for a long time, I actually have been wondering the same. And then that's when we decided that I think it's time that we combine what we used to love and do, which is strategy and this new thing that we love and do, which is the creative and visual side of things to combine them to help other businesses. Because, you know, that's also the time when we started getting a lot of questions from our peers, you know, our partners asking, Hey, how are you doing marketing or how are you doing branding? And so I think we got lucky in the sense that that night was kind of that aha moment and that pivotal mm -hmm. moment when we decided to, take our business from a creative business to something that's a crossroad between strategy and um, visuals. Because, you know, as, as you know, Natasha, that uh, building a brand or running a business, you kind of need both, right? Exactly. So I think that was a pivotal moment um, in our business where we went from creative back to integrating strategy into our business. 
Right. And I I love how you were super self-aware when it came to, you know, you knew you had to end that one chapter. You knew you had to get rid of what was really draining your energy to just experiment and try things and really find joy in what you did want to do next, um, which I think is just so beautiful. And I think kind of fast forwarding, I know you kind of experienced a lot of burnout, you know, when you're in your nine to five and you're in that corporate career, um, you know, with entrepreneurship, those same struggles can happen. You know, how have you found that balance and have you struggled with burnout and working too much and checking your phone too much? Like, is that something you've struggled with now or how has that kind of looked for you? Yeah. I mean, this is a point, Natasha. And I think, you know, people who are listening and, you know, you and I probably um, have experienced this, which is, I think, running your own business. Of course, it's like your baby. So I think we tend to want to tend to it 24 7 right (laughs) and yeah I agree it's hard to make that space so we actually went through that that was the funny thing is you know once you start your business you think that oh now I'm on this passion path but then I found myself going back to the being chained to my phone situation just like when I was in corporate for different reasons and it was even harder for me to carve out space for myself and I actually had to actively reach out to a lot of resources and books really build a system that works for myself so luckily right now um actually in the past two and a half years already you know i've been really into trying to work more effectively and try to minimize the time that i actually spend on my laptop and maximize um the time that i spend on learning either professionally or personally and just doing the things i love outside of work i think one of the things i learned Um, I guess, biggest realization from switching from corporate to being an entrepreneur is that I think for a long time, and even now, people always talk about work-life balance. And I think Mm -hmm. we only talk about work-life balance when we feel that work is something that's supposed to be bad and that is Mm -hmm. consuming our life. That's why we're trying to find the work-life balance, right? But I think when we think about life, Work is part of it, but there's also so much more out there in life. So I love the fact that, you know, you mentioned that, yes, I think as entrepreneur, we do need to be more mindful in terms of carving out space and really step back and think about the life that we want to create and how does work play into this? Because yes, we all need to eat. And, but at the same time, how do we um, structure our work into our life so that we are creating and living the life we want rather than just making a living and spending 80% of our life making a living at a job that we don't consider as life, but more as just work, you know? Yes. Oh, I can totally relate to that. And I think a lot of other entrepreneurs, because, you know, you make this shift where you do love, you know, your business and your passion about what you're doing. And so it becomes a point where I think a lot of new business owners, when you're in that first year of business, you are like, if someone asked you what your hobbies are, you'd say working (laughs) because you enjoy it so much. So I Mm -hmm. love how you made that distinction for yourself where you're like, I want to have a fulfilling life and that's separate, but can be fueled by my business. Mm -hmm, Exactly. I love that so much. Are you scrolling on Instagram and endlessly trying to figure out which tactic you should use to grow your brand on Instagram? 
That is why I created a completely free guide to help you understand all the ins and outs of Instagram. So the lingo, exactly what all of those words and terms mean. Also, when you're designing your graphics or taking photos, so you know the exact dimensions that you need in a dimensions cheat sheet. So whether it's for designing things in Canva, taking photos, cover photos, highlight covers, all of those things in between. I also share the perfect formula for optimizing your bio. So it's super actionable. So you'll be able to attract the type of ideal clients you want and so many more secret nuggets and tips that I've included in this guide. So if you want to get that completely free download, go into the show notes or go to soulstudiomarketing.com slash freebies. Now let's hop right back into those mic drop moments. I want to talk a little bit about your sister. So what is it like to work with your sister? And I mean, how is it like to work, you know, time zones apart, miles apart? Like, how does that dynamic work? Yeah, I mean, I got to be honest here. I think we are very lucky that we work really well as sisters, but that doesn't mean that we didn't fight, right? Right. (laughs) I mean, um, first of all, we're sisters. So I think all siblings go through that. But um, I think this is kind of our strength right now but something that we had to work through really hard is that um terry and i are actually really different we're complete opposite of each other and i think that's why it works so well but at the same time obviously early on we would run into issues or situations where we have very very different opinions on or um very different ways of approaching certain things right Mm -hmm. so those were the instances when we found ourselves fighting a lot because growing up, we're really close and we always have this agreement that we would tell each other whatever that's on our mind. And that's why we fight, right? But we also make sure every time we fight, there is something that comes out of it. It's not just an emotional tantrum that we throw to each other um, and that we're actually voicing why we feel certain ways, why we think this way instead of your way. And so I think after having gone through that in the first year, we found our way of working with each other in terms of personality and being sisters. And I think because we're so different that our qualities and strengths actually complement each other. So we specifically delegate our roles and the projects we take on based on our strengths so that we can actually maximize what we can offer to people. Now, with yes, with the time difference, it was also interesting, but it's actually less challenging than we expected it to be. So yes, she's on... Um, so she's actually based in Taiwan, and I am based on the West Coast. And so there is a uh, time difference. And so usually my late afternoon would be her early morning. But luckily, she is an early morning person. So that's usually the time when we sync up. We do a quick daily sync up. Usually it should be like l- definitely less than 20 minutes. And we do have a system where, you know, we, yes, we check in from Monday to Friday, but those are just daily check-ins. But in terms of long-term planning, we always have, you know, our annual meeting and our quarterly meeting, our monthly meeting to making sure that we are achieving the goals that we set for that year, right? And then there's the weekly. So that's kind of how we structure um, how we communicate on an ongoing basis. 
I love that you have those systems because I think, you know, the lines can get really blurred when you're working with a loved one or just having a business partner in general, you know, when are you talking about fun stuff and (laughs) and life and when are you actually being really strategic with your business? And I think if anything, the time zone almost makes you more intentional about the time that you guys spend together, you know, during those checkup calls, during those quarterly planning sessions. I think those are really great because I think it's so easy with meetings to get off track and everything. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I, I love tools. I love talking about tools. So I'm curious if you and your sister have specific tools for your clients, for building your own brand that you really love, or just for staying organized and communicating between the two of you. Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, since we were talking about business systems, so the first thing that came to my mind is the book Traction. Mm. Um, yeah, I... A lot of our how our annual and quarterly and weekly meetings and goals and progress tracking were set because of that book. It gives you you like really good how to system to do it. So at least for business systems, productivity, um, goal setting, and making progress and really building that momentum month after month and quarter after quarter, I highly recommend this book. Now, in terms of our daily tools. We're huge Google users. I know many businesses use, you know, different tools. Everyone has their likes and dislikes. Mm-hmm. Um, but we are huge Google users. So we use, you know, the typical Google Drive, everything that comes with that. And then also Google Keep. So I can jot down any stories, any ideas throughout the day on my phone. So that's more a, a note taking tool for me. And we use Canva, like many uh, small businesses, I right. think. It's, it's, yeah, it's easy. We also use InShot for video editing, which I know you also recommend um, because I watch your videos. (laughs) Yeah, when you said that, I was like, yes, we're using the right tool. The (laughs) best. Yes. Um, So yeah, I think those are more the creative tools for us in terms of creating visual content. That's awesome. And I think that's super smart is just finding what works for you and keeping it all in one place. Because I think there's so many great apps and stuff. And I'm a lover of all the different types of apps and systems for being organized. But it's really just finding what works well for you. So I absolutely love that. And I'd love to dive into you know the design, the strategy, the marketing part of building a brand. So I'm curious, you know, when you see for your own brand or even with your clients, like what is the biggest thing that really helps people stand out as their brand in the online space? Because I think that's what a lot of people struggle with is they think that there's so much competition. They think that there's not space for them. So what are your tips there? Yeah. So this is actually the most common question we get is, um, you know, how do you stand out? The market is already so saturated. I don't know how to stand out. Everyone else is doing what I'm doing already. And I think, especially with you know what's going on this year, I do think the biggest takeaway uh, from this um, is that people are no longer buying just your products and services, right? They are buying something beyond that, something that connects with them emotionally. And usually that's when we call a brand. Obviously, we know that a brand now, a lot of people already point out that it's not just logo or colors. It is something deeper. And I think when we think about brand, uh, a unique approach that we take is what we call the inside out approach. So we usually take our clients through this exercise um, in terms of linking what they do in their business and their personal calling because it has to come from something deeper. If it comes from something deeper, comes from your why and your personal mission, if you channel that through your business, that is a very powerful story to tell. And when you break that down into content, 
right? That's so powerful. Um, that is going to connect with people, you know, through all the tactics. Now you see whether or not it's on Instagram, other social media tools, email marketing, video forms, however you want to do it. But I think at the core of it, those are tactics that you should use wisely and strategically. And what needs to be shared at the core of the brand is why you exist, right? Why are you so passionate about um, what you do here and what you do for your people, your audience? And so from our experience, what really truly would allow a brand to stand out is really the core of that brand. I mean, a lot of people use the word brand strategy and then they quickly jump on to, you know, your target audience, and which is important yeah. um, for sure. But I do think that it also comes back to why are you doing what, what you're doing? Why do you feel so called to help your target audience, right? Instead of just jumping onto what's trending or what other people are doing, like the masks, for example, so many people are doing masks now. And right. yes, they sell right now, but this is a quick money tactic. And I think people need to realize right. that. And loungewear is the same thing, right? Because we're all staying home right now. We see so many loungewear brands and we see so many brands that didn't used to do loungewear, start doing loungewear. And there's nothing wrong to it if they know why they're doing it. If they're only doing it for right. short-term cash flow, that's smart. That's good. Good for you. But if that doesn't align with your brand, at the end of the day, it's not going to sustain. If this mm -hmm. pandemic, uh, this pandemic gets better at the end of the year, slowly, you know, what are you going to do with all these inventory? Do you have a plan? Right. So right. I think, um, what's going on this year actually has so many powerful lessons for business owners to really take in. And this will be one of them is that, you know, you have to sell something beyond your products and services. It's something right. deeper and more profound and beyond um, products and services. Oh, I love that so much. And I think, you know, especially when I'm always talking about Instagram strategy is that, mm -hmm. you know, there's all these set and zone strategies and the algorithm and all these things mm -hmm. that we talk about. But, you know, I always come back to like, you have to be really clear on like kind of the, the base of why you started your business, your why, you know, who you want to serve, you know, what makes you different? You know, what are the things that are really boring about you that are actually make you relatable? And, and I think that's really the beauty of storytelling and building a brand. So I love how you mentioned that. I mean, even when you were talking about it, I was thinking about it. I just purchased some <laughs> leggings yesterday from the brand Girlfriend. And they like are really focused on sustainability and they show mm -hmm. different types of bodies and, you know, they, you know, make all their clothing from plastic water bottles. And I mean, that's the example of there's tons of brands I could have gotten my, you know, leggings from. I could have went to, you know, a fashion brand and, and gotten anything cheaper and probably faster. Mm -hmm. But I think it proves that especially, you know, for female entrepreneurs that are serving and speaking to other female entrepreneurs, we're digging a lot deeper when it comes to the brands we actually invest. In. Yeah, for sure. And I love that you mentioned them as an example. I also own a pair. So I love it. Uh, two pairs. Actually. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I love them. And I think you're right. I mean, there are a lot of brands who sell leggings, especially performance leggings. Now. Right. But I think a big reason why a lot of these independent brands are now doing well, including um, Girlfriend Collective, is that I think they understand that there is a reason why they've created this brand. It's for something mm -hmm. deeper, right? And and I love how you mentioned the personal side of a brand because at the end of the day, human connects with human. We do not connect with businesses. And that's why, you know, huge Fortune 500 companies, they have to invest so much 
in crafting their brand character or persona because they're a huge company. So I do right. think that's an advantage of a small business is that you don't even need to do that because you are a human being. So all you have to do is just show up, you know, as you and see and really dig deeper into your stories, your personal whys. Mm. And so I do think that that's an advantage of being a smaller business that many people oversee. Yes, I completely agree with that. And I love how we kind of touched on all the lessons that 2020 has you know, taught us, especially as business owners. It's definitely been a whirlwind. And I'm kind of curious for you and your business and your life and everything going on, You know, what have you really learned and started implementing and how have you pivoted and changed things in your strategy? Yeah, so this year actually is uh, another year. I want to say it's partly because of what's going on with 2020. Um, but we also had this idea at the beginning of the year where, um, so for a while now, we've been serving our community of women entrepreneurs who are between their year zero and five and who are, who takes, um, who approach life and approach their business similar to ours in the sense that they're not building their business for short term gains or they're not creating a product just because it's trendy, right? They usually had a different path and they found their passion and they, they pivoted as well. And so, in the past, we've been helping and supporting them through online courses or one-on-one. But this year, we actually want to extend this relationship or even dive deeper with them because a lot of times what we found was that after a course is over or after you know our one-on-one is over after six weeks, they continue to want to work with us on an ongoing basis because, you know, as we all know, a business would evolve. So now that I learned this tool or this tactic, this strategy from you, what now? How can I execute on an ongoing basis? What if I evolve? What if I have other questions, right? So um, this year, specifically, we wanted to dive deeper with our community um, to see what else and explore different business models that will allow us to do that. So this year actually is the year that we roll out our membership program and that's actually our signature. So we no longer offer one-on-one. So personally for me, I want to do that because we had to say no, frankly, to a lot of people because as you know, one-on-one can get pretty pricey for some people. And, you know, after having done that for two and three years, I actually wonder if that basically defeats the purpose of us doing this to begin with because our whole mission is to help as many women entrepreneurs like ourselves um, as possible. So if I had to turn down so many people because of pricing, is there something I can do to remove that barrier? And so this year is uh, the year that we start trying out this membership model and it has been working really, really well. And I think me personally, I am also really enjoying, you know, every day I get to learn the different progress everyone makes um, in our group or um, different stories even that everyone carries up until this point. And this is kind of where we cross paths, right? When you really think about how everyone's life unfolds and then all come together at this moment and continue to support each other moving forward. I think to me, that is a very wonderful thing. So I'm really glad that we made that shift this year. So to your question, I think it was an idea that we had early on, but I do think because of the pandemic and everything that's going on in 2020, it really gave us that push in terms of, okay, I think this is the time when a lot of business owners are rethinking what they truly want to achieve in their business. How are they going to evolve? They need more handholding here. They can't Mm -hmm. just 
be out there by themselves? How can we create a community that's more closely knitted um, instead of like a one-off class or one-off engagement that they used to have with us? Right. And I think that's kind of a lot of the good things we've seen from this year is that, you know, community has become at the forefront, you know, more people are doing lives together, more people are collaborating, Mm -hmm. you know, we're seeing all these awesome things that are bringing people together and making it realize that, you know, we can't just be focused on profit, we can't just be focused on one thing that doesn't serve, you know, more people. Um, So I love how, you know, you kind of had that idea, and it just naturally became a pivot for you. And I mean, was that decision hard? I mean, I know it's always kind of difficult when you're so used to doing one type of service, and then you completely shift to a different service. Was that a difficult decision? Like, how did you navigate that season of change? I think since I left the corporate world, that's probably a mindset I start adopting pretty well is that I realized that there are a lot of decisions in life that we think might be daunting, but it's actually not. And Mm -hmm. A lot of times our instinct actually already told us what the answer is um, because, you know, my um, example about that, that moment when I realized that I have to quit is because if I don't move, I don't move, nothing changes. I have to do something about it. The same thing with, you know, that pivotal moment when we change from being a purely creative business who just focused on, you know, the creative side of the world and uh, visuals and all the pretty stuff, beautiful stuff that I love. But really pivoting that and integrating strategy back again. I mean, that moment was daunting too, because we already have a stream of customers. And now, yes, you're right. This year is another moment where we have to say, okay, I really need to stop one-on-one because unless if I do that, I don't have the time to focus on growing this new thing that we're trying to grow, right? Because we only have so much time. Mm -hmm. And so I do think that for me, because I've been doing several decisions like that for myself um it's not as scary anymore to me because i feel that in the back of my mind now i always ask me okay if not if not now then when right because the fact is i can't be getting to that next place if i constantly am juggling two things that both consume so much of my time and energy that just means that maybe the next time i get there will be 10 years from now and is that something that i am willing to wait for I think that's so powerful. (laughs) And I think that's what a lot of us need to kind of lean into is that, you know, you ignoring those signs, ignoring that feeling, ignoring what's not working is you saying no to the possibilities of a new opportunity, a better opportunity, an opportunity that you like know is in the back of your head and this idea that could come to fruition, but it's not because, I mean, honestly, the hardest part about that, which I think you kind of said, you know, you've come to practice with is just taking that step and taking that leap. Because once you're in that season of movement, it -hmm. all just happens and forms. And then you're like, well, we're doing it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, yeah, totally. And I I think that, you know, especially for business owners, I also understand. uh, And we get this question a lot is that, you know, for people who actually have a full time job, they are always wondering, I'm doing the side gig, and I love it. When is the time for me to just like, jump right in, and they get so many conflicting answers. And unfortunately, I do not have one good answer. But I think because it works very differently for everyone, right? And I'm also not encouraging people to just drop everything and just invest all that you got in one thing because that's not smart because that's just not how life works. Yeah. But I do think that 
intentionally carving out the space and the time you need in life to do this other thing that you think calls for you is so important rather than continue to treat it as a side gig. You can actually treat your full-time job as your side gig, meaning that it's the thing that brings you money, but your main gig is actually this thing that you you feel so passionate about. And I feel like Mm -hmm. that mindset shift will allow you to change your energy and focus on the things that actually matter to you. I think that's so powerful. And I think there is a lot of, you know, mixed messages you see in the online world, like, you know, just quit and and travel around and then you'll Mm -hmm. have your business magically or, you know, just keep your side hustle for a certain amount of time or save this amount of money. But all of our journeys are different. And kind of like you said, with your journey, it came down to being self-aware of like, and I'm similar to you where I'm like, I know I can't split my attention up. Um, So being self-aware, but also realizing, you know, that shift you mentioned where, you know, thinking of your side hustle as, you know, your job and and fueling your passion and and making it possible and making it a goal. I I just love that message so much. And I love everything that we've talked about and all the amazing tips and inspiration. It has been so amazing talking to you, Annie. Um, And I'm sure everyone's going to want to know where they can, you know, connect with you, where they can join your membership. So give us all the resources. Yes, of course. Um, thanks so much for having me. Um, and you guys can all find us at oleaandfig.com. And that's O-L-E-A-A-N-D-F-I-G.com. And the same on Instagram. That's oleaandfig on Instagram. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for spending the afternoon with me. And I'll see you all next time on the show. Thanks, Natasha. Have an amazing rest of your day. Thank you so much to today's expert guests for joining us. If you want to connect with today's guests or check out any of the important links mentioned in the show, I've linked the details in today's show notes. Join the conversation at hashtag the shine online podcast. Be sure to subscribe and leave us a rating. If you love what you've heard today, we really appreciate it. And it helps support our show. Remember, regardless of where you're at in your entrepreneurship journey, there's always room for your biz to shine. I'll see you next time.